It's time to put principles ahead of politics. This is Sages of the Sun, brought to you by the New York Sun. I'm Caroline Beek, the co-founder and editor of The Sun, and I'm joined by Seth Lipsky, our legendary editor-in-chief. We're here to take you behind the headlines, unblinkered, principled, and straight. Today, we're sitting down with our foreign correspondent in Ukraine, Caleb Larson, to get his reflections from the past month traveling across Ukraine. Caleb, I'm eager to hear, you know, you've been there for about a month, traveled to a bunch of different cities, I'm sure met a million people and very eager and interested to hear what it's been like. Why don't you just tell us your reflections thus far and we'll take from there. Sure, sounds good, thanks. Yeah, so today actually marks one month, what is day? March 7th, right, I believe. So I got here exactly a month ago, spent, oh, I don't know, about a week and a half in Lviv, the west, and went uh, to the south to Odessa for probably five or six days. Took the train over there, the night train, which was a pretty interesting experience, old Soviet express type of train. Spent one day in Mykolaiv next to Odessa. That was a city that was being actively actively hit while we were there. Yeah, it's it's a little bit hard to put in word. Today we're in uh, two satellite cities of Kiev, the capital. They're called Irpin and Bucha. They were under Russian occupation for around a week, roughly. Russian troops left um, a couple days ago. Beat kind of a hasty retreat. Seems like some went north to Belarus, so the Kiev region borders Belarus, and some went east to eastern Ukraine. Yeah, like you said, we've um, there's a lot of kind of youngsters here who have chosen to stay. There's a lot of older people who don't really have a place to go, aren't physically fit to leave, you know, are pretty attached to where they live, have chosen to stay. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been very interesting. A lot of kind of sad, kind of heavy days, but there's also been some pretty lighthearted moments as well. Uh, which we can, we can probably talk about once we get into it. So currently you're speaking to us from a car on your way to Kiev. Where are you coming from? Yeah, 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 that's right. I'm sitting in the backseat of a car. Um, <laughs> we spent, I'm with a couple of photographers and we spent the day in Yeah, Irpin. who's in the car? <laughs> um, just a couple of photographers that I've met on the journey. Um, one guy uh, that I met in Lviv and another guy that the two of us met here a couple of days ago in Kiev. Um, so we just kind of teamed up, put our put our resources together, put our noggins together and found a fixer and yeah, spent the day outside of Kiev in these two satellite cities. Took some photos, talked to different people, uh, walked around. And tell us what you saw. saw one of them, of one of those places is where one of the massacres happened recently, correct? Yeah, I think details are still kind of coming out probably change day to day but it's it seems like so both of those places were under russian occupation for i think about a week maybe a little bit a couple days less um and yeah i mean we talked today to a bunch of different people we went to a church in urban there's uh there's you know a big church grounds there that the priest has kind of turned into a sort of makeshift kind of mass grave for a lot of people that have been killed so we got to go there and yeah i mean there's basically a couple of long slit trenches just dug into the into the church grounds and there yeah I mean there's there's body bags in there and some people don't have body bags but it's it's full of people there's a couple of older women that we talked to who were sitting outside and they told us you know about their experience one lady we talked to um, she turns 82 this month and 
you know, she was pretty, pretty active and very mentally sharp, but, you know, she couldn't really make a big journey and get out of there. And so she just, you know, related her experience of what it was like, you know, when the Russians were here. Um, and a lot of people have kind of said the same thing that they kind of had a party, they got drunk, they shot things up. There's a lot of people, it seems like, who've just kind of been summar uh, summarily executed. There was one sort one of without purpose and just as part of some sort of rampage or or in a methodical way like what are the indications a little bit of both so there's a lot of people who didn't want to talk to us which is totally understandable you know they're trying to put their put the pieces of their lives back together and i can totally relate to that if i was in their situation and some journalists walked up to me i would want to have nothing to do with that but the people we did talk to um it was kind of a mix of military age males um, and then just sort of random, possibly just kind of drunken nonsense. It's, it's a little unclear. I think there's just a lot of kind of a lot of drunken chaos going on. Were there stories of sexual assault from anyone you spoke to or what else did they say? Um, not from the people that we talked to. That doesn't mean it didn't happen. Uh, there's reports, you know, from other parts of, of Ukraine. And there are reports, you know, from Urban and Bucha of that happening. We didn't. We didn't run into any younger females. It's mostly older folks and uh, you know a lot of soldiers that are there at the moment. I think most people who were young and mobile decided to leave and probably haven't returned yet. Um, so we didn't we didn't personally talk to any people who've experienced that, but I know that 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 has happened. And you came from Odessa a few days ago. Is that correct? So we had I, we'd been in Lviv. Take us backwards on your journey. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. So we're in Kiev right now. We arrived, um, I think, late two days ago. Um, so not last night, but the night before. And we were in Lviv. Um, so we had just been in Lviv for a couple of days, just kind of regroup. Um, prior to that, we had been in Odessa. And we kind of What's made the mood in Lviv these days? Has it changed since you were originally there? Yeah, I mean, it was, it's so Lviv is way far in the Ukrainian West. Um, you know, it's, I think it's like 40 kilometers from the Polish border, which in miles is, gosh, I don't know, don't quote me on this, but it's probably 20, 25 miles from the border. Um, so for, you know, the majority of this conflict, it's been a very safe area. Um, you know, there's air raid sirens pretty much every day. Most of them don't amount to anything, but there are occasional um, strikes in the city. Okay. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people at this point are kind of realizing that the war has shifted gears from, you know, a focus on Kiev and, you know, parts in the kind of northeast to kind of a war in the southeast. So a lot of people, it seems like, are leaving Lviv to come back to to Kiev, to wherever they're from. Um, people are pouring into this city. The mayor the other day kind of made an announcement. He said, you know, don't come, don't come to Kiev. It's it's still not safe. But I think, yeah, I think people at least in in it, just whatever. It's okay. Sorry, we're trying to coordinate here in the car. It seems like yeah, a lot of people are coming back to where they're from. Long story short, people are kind of you know trying to live normal life again. And and tell us about Odessa. Yeah, Odessa is great. It's it's they call it the Pearl of the Black Sea. Um, it's kind of a resort area. Um, it's a lot of temperate climates, but it's also, um, I believe, Ukraine's biggest port city. So there's a lot of traffic that comes in and out of Odessa. Uh, Ukraine is a big agricultural country. So something like 80% of Ukrainian grain 
flows out of Odessa onto other parts of the world. Yeah, it's, you know, it's kind of been a cultural, cultural mixing place for a long time. There's a lot of like French influences. There's a lot of Greek and Italian influences. And you see that in the architecture and the street names and the different monuments and things. Um, that being said, it's, you know, it's under wraps. It's kind of a wartime situation. So a lot of sandbags, a lot of checkpoints, a lot of barbed wire, a lot of tank traps, a lot of soldiers, a lot of camouflage netting. In the beginning, people seemed very nervous. Um, we were told over and over and over again, no photographs, no photographs, no photographs. I think lately it's kind of loosened up a little bit. Uh, when I left, some of the defensive fortification uh, fortifications were being taken down and moved around. And so, yeah, it seems like the city is maybe trying to have some semblance of normal life. Um, that being said, there were a couple missile strikes, I believe the day before yesterday there. It's a little bit unclear if those are to just kind of terrorize the city or if those portend to maybe a greater 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 offensive later. Not quite sure. It's maybe a little bit too early to say. There's a naval blockade of Odessa, right? Yeah. So there's Russian warships. You they're just over the horizon. You can't see them. Um, but they're there and they fire off missiles occasionally. Um the Ukrainians have also mined kind of the area surrounding the harbor. So they both sort of have each other by the throat. The Russian ships can't get in, um, but Ukrainian ships can also not leave. So it's kind of a and what kind of stalemate. To commerce. I mean, isn't there a lot of grain and stuff moved through Odessa? Oh, normally, yeah. Something like eighty percent of Ukrainian grain flows through there, but there's nothing moving there. It's it's the port does not it it is not an operation. There's nothing happening there. So what's going to happen to all that the food? Yeah, I don't know. It's a good question. Um, when I was there, I talked to a couple of guys who have different import-export businesses. Um, one of the guys, um, a pretty sharp businessman, he was able to kind of transition to overland shipping um, via truck. But, you know, that, that doesn't work for everything. Um, and it's a heck of a lot more expensive than, um, than by boat. Um, you know, if you're shipping grain to... The Middle East or to Asia, you know, you can't just ship it by truck. It has to go by boat. So, so a lot of, a lot of, you know, European imports from Ukraine, it seems like could potentially be met, um, at least on the agricultural side of things via truck. Things elsewhere, farther afield, you know, it seems much more difficult. You know, we hear all these reports about war crimes and, and what is your sense of that? Do you think these, you know, killings that have taken place in some of the Russian-occupied neighborhoods of Kiev and its surroundings were a premeditated war crime, like a, you know, like a soldier killing an unarmed person with hands tied behind their back or, you know, firing onto a crowd of civilians? Or is it, you know, killings in the fog of war? I, I, I mean, just what's your gut reaction to that? I'm, I'm interested. Yeah, um, yeah. I think a lot of a lot of Russian soldiers came in um, genuinely believing they were going to be fighting a bunch of Ukrainian Nazis. Um, obviously, that's not the case. Um, in these towns that we were just in, Irpin and Bucha, these you know these are satellite cities of of Kiev. They're not particularly large. You know, they're just there's not a lot going on there. They're just kind of small, sleepy residential towns. Um, and I think, you know, when some of these Russian troops realized, hey, there's no, you know, uniformed Nazi 
the Ukrainian soldiers, they just kind of turn to, well, they've got to be here. We've been told they're here. They must be here. Um, and so, yeah, there's, you know, we've heard that some military aged males, so, you know, 18 to late fifties ish were sought out to kind of interrogate, to beat up, to shoot, to kill. Um, one lady we talked to told us that some Russian soldiers basically occupied her house and called up her husband who was in that age range and shot him. Um, you know, seemingly it's, I mean, it's a little unclear, but seemingly just because he was in that, in that age range. Um, yeah. So yeah, war crimes are, are certainly happening. You know, there's unarmed civilian people that, you know, have nothing to do with, with, you know, military affairs. They're just living their life and being shot for being Ukrainian and in some cases being of military age. Sorry. What's your sense of the, of, of the mood, Caleb, like most of the people you meet, what's their mindset? How are they thinking about the future? Are they sort of surviving day to day? Are they following the discussion, peace negotiations, discussions? Are they, do they want to see an agreement? Do they want to fight till the end? Like any color on, on that? Um, yeah, my, my strong impression is people are not focused on anything besides, you know, the doors of their house or whatever they're living in. A lot of people don't have houses, um, and they're not really thinking about anything except tomorrow. We went earlier, there's a, there was a kindergarten, a really large kind of neighborhood kindergarten. The basement had been turned into a bomb shelter, something like four or 500 people had been living in there. And, you know, there was an older gentleman, probably, I don't know, 55, 60, um, and he was, you know, still living in there. He had a little candle and there's no electricity or gas or power in the town. And he's just staying there and he was just kind of telling us, you know, this is, this is where I live. Um, a lot of people did not want to talk to us, which is totally, totally fine and totally understandable. Um, you know, people are, people are just trying to, people are just trying to get food and people are just trying to live. There was a group of guys that we saw, um, who were, lifting the hoods of, you know, all the destroyed cars, um, all the cars in, in these neighborhoods are totally destroyed. Um, but they were looking for batteries that they could use to, um, probably to charge cell phones, you know, to charge flashlights or other kind of electronics. Um, I think people in these places don't really have any awareness or interest in kind of the bigger picture because, you know, they're living the worst of it right now. Um, and a lot of people have had a lot of family members suffer or die because of what's happened. Thank you for listening to this sample of Sages of the Sun. To listen to the whole episode and access our entire catalog, go to newyorksun.com. That's nysun.com.